Hi again, and welcome to Better Than the Movie. I am Jeanette, she's Tamika, and we are here talking books. How are you today, my friend? Turned up for the Lord. How are you? I don't even know how to... I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) You also turned up for the Lord? Oh, forever turned. Perpetually turned for the (laughs) Lord, actually. All right. Uh, Sarah said that we should start the show off and say, um, I'm Jeanette, she's Tamika, and we just hit talking shit. Oh, that might be too trill. For the- I was like, that might be a little <laughs> bit real for the people, but I'm going to do it one time. <laughs> yeah, 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 right on. Noted. We'll put that in our production notes. <laughs> oh, woo. I don't know how this is going to go, because I am running on fumes, but let's get it. Okay, today's episode <laughs> is probably going to be real random and super um, Seinfeld-esque. We've done this before. Yeah, we've been here before. (laughs) So, um, let's talk about what we always talk about. Where are we on the web? We are on Twitter at BetterThanTM. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BetterThanTheMovie. You can find all of these episodes uh, on BetterThanTheMovie.com. And that's pretty much all that is at BetterThanTheMovie.com. <laughs> but stay tuned. Um, and if you want to shout us a holler, you can call us at two, our Google Voice number uh, at 210-816-2886. Nobody is going to answer, so leave a message at the beep. <laughs> I actually think it is linked to my cell phone. So if I see oh. a strange number pop up, I'm be like, oh, I don't know that. Yeah. Send a voicemail. Part of our problem with the Google Voice is somebody is screening their call. <laughs> <laughs> no, the the voicemails come to the email though. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So leave a message. All right. Okay. You so, have prepared a hodgepodge of fuck shit for us yes. to discuss. No nonsense. Some of it is nonsense, and some of it is good. Yeah, so. some of it is good, some of it is nonsense. Um, so I guess we can start off with this uh, first article, and it's titled, Reading for Pleasure Builds Empathy and Improves Well-Being. And this is research from the reading agency. Yeah. Ditto. I mean. <laughs> right. <laughs> those of us who read know these things. Et cetera. Oh. I was just going to say, um, basically, they were just saying that, you know, um, people who read for pleasure um, have increased empathy, a uh, better relationship with other people, um, and it reduces the symptoms of depression and the risk of dementia and just generally improves um, well-being throughout life. Uh, I thought it was interesting how it says that um, children benefit from it because uh, they get, like, improved social capital, um, which, duh. Like, you you know, like you read, you learn about other people and you learn how to interact with other people. So it's kind of like a water is what type thing. Yeah. Yeah. I can also see the empathy aspect of it. Like when you're reading a book, as we all know, it allows you to kind of escape and get a full sense of someone else's world outside of your own. And that can't help, but you can't help but carry over that, you know, that attitude into real life. Like, I think it, you know, me reading books has definitely made me more of an empath. Is that right? Is that the, is that the Tumblr word that they're using? Oh yeah, empathia, yeah. Yeah. So, but even like, you know, we talked about a couple of episodes ago, A Thousand Splendid Sons, and, you know, how complex and how different those women were in that, in that book. And, 
um, it, it does carry over into your life and you think you know things and you don't and you have an impression about people's lives and you, you don't and reading just kind of exposes you and opens you up to to new things. So we have a woman, I was at the gym the other day and this lady, her sons were swimming and she was wearing a full burqa, well, I don't know if it was a full burqa. I mean, her face was whole covered in her head and all you could see was her eyes, but it wasn't like the net style, so I don't really know what that's called. I'm sorry, but it made me think of those women and like, you know, my brain goes to, is her husband like, um, what's his name? Rashid. Or he, Rashid, or is he really cool? Like, you know, so you don't know. And I think books do make you, you know, at least stop and think before you, you know, judge or make you feel, feel feels. Yeah, I was just thinking about, I was talking to um one of my younger cousins, she's 15, and she was telling me about a book she was reading. And this kid is, like, all about, like, technology and in the here and now, but the book she was reading was actually set in, like, 16th or 17th century England. Mm. And she was just, like, all in for this character. And, like, as she's telling me the story, she just has, like, so so many feels about this person. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I get it. And it's just so important to me. I mean... I knew when I had kids that books were going to be such a part of their lives, whether they were as hardcore into reading as I was, it was up to them, but um, we would be a, a family that at least, you know, while we had some say, there's reading happening so that you can, you know, kind of get some of these benefits and also just the creativity. I think that kids that read, especially like a broad range of books and their robust books, you know, a lot of thought is put into the selection. They just, I don't know that it bleeds over into other aspects of their, their life. Their, their, um, the way that they conduct themselves, carry themselves. Have you ever met a little kid that was like really well read? You could tell, Mm -hmm. um, they just had a larger vocabulary. They were good conversationalists. (laughs) They, um, were more critical thinkers, it seemed like, and just a little bit more, I don't know. There's something about really? it. You can always, yeah, you can always tell when, um, especially with kids, it's a little harder with adults, but especially with kids, you can tell when they are big readers. Um, they just carry themselves differently, have a different way about themselves. It's interesting. It talks about the reduction of depression and dementia. I've never heard that before. I think I could understand the dementia part of it mm-hmm. um, just because the more you exercise your brain, I think the less success susceptible it is to Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I'm not 100% on that because I ain't nobody's doctor and I don't do science well Mm -hmm. Um, but the reduction of depression thing interests me though I wish they would have went into more um, detail about how they got that right right like how they came away from this yeah I don't I don't know if I love that one. I don't know if I'm 100%. Actually, I'm not 100% on board with that. Yeah, me neither. Because I'm like, depression is a chemical, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 Anyway, you know, way to go. So, (laughs) go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, so basically this article just taught us that we and everyone who listens to this podcast are amazing people because we're grateful for pleasure. Pretty much, pretty much. And if you're not reading for pleasure, get with it. And also, why are you listening to this podcast? No, just kidding. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. This other story was short and sweet, but it kind of pissed me off. Oh, it pissed me off a lot. That's why I put it in here. Okay, so this man, and I use the term man loosely. (laughs) 
This man in Colorado was caught dumping thousands of books onto U.S. Highway 287. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's pled guilty to charges of littering, and he has to pay a fee to the tune of $1,725 and 30 hours of community service. Now, what he was doing... <laughs> First Dumping all, these damn books out on the highway. I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the problem. Here's where he fucked up at. So he bought the books from a used bookstore that closed down. And he thought that he was going to be able to turn a profit on them bad boys. Like probably some of them on like half.com or eBay or something like that. The problem is you have to know the types of books that you're buying and the audience yeah buy them the, and the like theme. yeah the book <laughs> like they say a couple of the books that were dumped and one is called rocky and bullwinkle the movie official joke book yeah don't nobody want that <laughs> <laughs> nobody's trying to buy the rocky and bullwinkle official joke book bruh so <laughs> instead of dumping them on the highway like you couldn't just take them to the girl Goodwill? he said he worked too many hours he See, said, I don't, got, I don't have time for this. They call him the literary little book, though, and I went up for that one. <laughs> it says that um, after trying to sell the books online, a failed attempt at giving them away and long work hours that made it difficult for Plaza to donate them to a thrift store or they take them to a landfill. I'm like, sir, a lot of thrift stores pick up. Somebody would have came and got them little raggedy books. I'm um, just imagining this fool on his like morning and evening commute. Was he just, just doing these a little bit at a time? Have like you ever was... seen um, the Johnson Family Vacation? Yes. And when Cedric is like going through the CDs and he's like shot and he's throwing them out the window. Yeah. yeah. Just imagine this fool chucking stuff out the window like unsold. So, so he did this over a couple of months. It wasn't like he had a truck and he just dumped them all out. He like every day would take some and throw them <laughs> What an a-hole. Like, the problem is people think that they can do these type of things with books. And like you say, you do have to know the audience. Also, the people that do like, oh, I can buy this book on Amazon for a penny or I can buy this. They sell a large amount of books. Like they don't just sell like one or two books. They they have these whole kind. I read an article about how this works, and these people get these books, and they get all the ones that they want out. And there's some if they have like a ton, say you know in in ten years they'll have like fifty Gone Girls, and they might sell them for a penny, right? You know, plus the shipping. But they're really the store exists for some of those harder to find books that they can sell for a little bit more, and so they have to sell, you know a ton of books before they turn a profit um, of the little junk books and then in hopes that people will, you know, go to their store and order more expensive ones. Um, but I don't know what he was thinking. Just and romance books are cheap anyway, so anyway. <laughs> like, it's it, it's not like anything that he got was, like, exclusive. <laughs> well, right. take them back. The Rocky and Bullwinkle joint might have been exclusive. Guaranteed, had he put, like, a post up on Craigslist or something and said, I've got these books, come and get them, somebody would have came and got those books. Oh, yeah. That's just how people are. Whatever. I hope they, hope your community service is something terrible, like buffing floors. Side of the highway. Scrubbing, yeah. Maybe he had like a hoarder house and it, they have like mold and that's why didn't nobody want them. 
I saw an episode of Hoarders and they hoarded books, and I was like, I don't really see the problem here. They have like, <laughs> they had like, and they had them all on shelves. It was just the whole house was nothing but shelves. So and they you were, saw my episode of Hoarders, huh? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't see what the issue is here. This looks like the world's coziest bookstore, but whatever. They were donating them and giving them away. But some of them had mold, so that's why I thought of that. Anyway, two stars, two two stars, two thumbs down for the literary litter bug. I wish I had four thumbs so I could give that man four thumbs down. That was terrible. Terrible. Like, how you just driving along chucking books? out the? I can't. Like, I'm just imagining, like, ever... what was the reaction of the trooper that pulled him over? Like, like sir, what, what the hell? Have you ever had somebody, like, suggest that you throw some of your books away? Because you yeah, every time I move, um, because I am cheap, so I employ um, the labor of family members. And this last time that I moved... Um, they were like, why do you have all these books? Why don't you throw some of them away? And I was like, why don't you throw your trash-ass life away? Right. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? What kind of question is that? How dare you? Yeah. Or people are like, why don't you give the Give, give, give them to whom? No, who? What? People, <laughs> people who are not readers really don't get, don't get how big of an insult that is. That's like, I don't even know what's... Like, that's like telling a girl that's into makeup, why don't you just throw those eyeshadows away? Like, you have too many. Well, that's like telling somebody who's a pet owner to throw their dog away. Yes. Oh, girl. Listen, if you own a dog, don't email us. (laughs) Us is the same. Whatever. My books are my pets. I stand by it. I don't care. Yeah. 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 Nobody's giving any books away. We're certainly not throwing them away. That's obscene. Obscene and absurd. Anyway. The thing is, this is how you, you can tell that I like you. If I give you one of my books. Right. But to suggest that a person just gives them give away them all willy-nilly. Throw them away. <laughs> what is your life about? Gross. Terrible. My mommy spoke, well, you've already read it. So? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to I'm reference this again. again. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. Good grief wrong with people anyway all right so moving right along um so this next article is um a good one some good news finally um matt johnson's novel loving day is uh being adapted by showtime into a comedy about racial identity reports deadline and Mm. i say yay Mm. we've talked about loving day previously on the show when i was reading it i think we've talked about it briefly uh, you know, it? No. Why not? A series? No. A series? I don't know. I don't I I think and this is just me projecting. I'm thinking that it would kind of go how Orange is the New Black went where it kind of is based on the book, but they're going to take a lot of liberties. I just with, don't know. Cuz I think that I think that the the initial story will be like the root of it or whatever, like with the daughter coming back and Do you want to tell the people the story? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So really quickly, um Loving Day is about um this guy Warren Duffy who is um half Irish, half black, uh who's living in Wales, who comes back to uh his hometown of Philly um after his comic book store closes, his marriage falls apart and his father dies. So he um takes ownership of the fan, uh, 
mansion that his father used to live in um, that is highly deteriorated and it's just a hot mess and he has to try to fix it up. And while he's um, doing that, he also learns that he has a teenage daughter um, with the chick that I don't even think that they were like boyfriend, girlfriend. I think um, they just messed around a few times. Yeah, like in high school or whatever. In high school. Um, and the daughter has grown up thinking she was Jewish this whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... <laughs> and so, um, essentially, you know, um, the, the reason why the daughter comes around is because the mother has passed and the grandfather... Um, can't handle her because she's out of control and so he's trying to you know make her get a relationship with her father and then there's other stuff going on too um so essentially um warren although he looks white he is um hella black my fist was in the air y'all couldn't see that Mm -hmm. um and so he uh is pretty much flabbergasted at the fact that his daughter doesn't automatically fall into line with some of his ideals and ways of thinking. So uh, he spends the book trying to like convince her of these things. And it's an there's interesting a, little journey that they go on. There's a series of charter schools that would never exist in real life, but um, they're like, he gets the daughter in these high schools. One was like a black, black, blackity black, black on black high school. And then the other one is like mixed kid utopia and um yeah so the schools are an important part oh see the thing is i don't know if i want to watch a comedy series about mixed people problems no offense to any mixed (laughs) people i don't need a whole series about them like i'm interested in the mixed plight kind of i want to know more but I don't want to watch 13 episodes about the mixed plight. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it, but, you know, like episode six, the black kids don't think I'm black enough. White kids think I'm too black. See, I don't I think know. it's going to be more, <laughs> like, based on the the Mulano school, though, and, like, all of that stuff that happened. Like, I don't think that, because, like, I think, and this is just, again, me, speculating but I think that's going to be like that first episode is going to be like when he first take her to, takes her to all the different schools around or whatever and there'll be like snippets and but I don't really think that well I'm hoping that it won't be like black people like this and white people, people like this, this. yeah <laughs> like, I'm hoping that it won't be that way and I'm especially that. since hopefully he is involved <laughs> yeah, because it says talks are underway with high-end writers to collaborate with the author on pinning the adaptation. So he's going to be involved, and I know he won't let it turn into, and black people do this. Well, remember what had happened to Eddie? Eddie, uh, yeah. 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 I'm trying to be optimistic, but, you know, the I liked I liked Loving Day a lot, but that school mess was the worst part of the book for me. So <laughs> that's one. <laughs> See, that's I thought that thing. all was funny. Like, I just thought it was highly impossible, and so it just made me laugh. Yeah, it, it caused, I mean, it made me have to, yeah, I had to suspend belief and whatever, but after a while, like, I got worn out with it a little bit, but I like the characters, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So the I other day, the um, Evelyn and Alfred on Twitter was uh, trying to figure out who they would cast for, like, people. Oh, girl. I don't I don't know. 
<laughs> so that's the thing, right? Like I couldn't, cause she was like, oh, if only, um, oh gosh, uh, I'm gonna screw his name up. But the guy who's married to Lisa Bonet. Oh, Jason Momoa. Yes, him. She's like, if only he were like ten years younger, he could totally be like one drop. Oh yeah, I don't know. They would have to. They'll probably have a whole bunch of unknowns, or like you know, kind of knowns. Like, what movie is he from? I don't know. You know, and those people. But like, I can't think of anybody. Hey, it's that guy. Yeah, I can't think of anybody mainstream that I would think. Maybe like uh, Zendaya with red hair. Like, I don't know. I can't think of anybody. So. <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, I couldn't think of nobody who could play the daughter but like Zendaya because I don't. Sorry, biracial people. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know y'all. We don't know y'all like that. But we got <laughs> We're going to. We did read diversely and read about the biracial plots in America. So. Indeed. We're going to get there. We're making progress. Yeah, but shout out to Matt Johnson. He's a really talented writer, and I think he's very funny, um, a funny writer, uh, and it's a good story. So I just was surprised that it was going to be a series. I was also surprised that they called it semi-autobiographical because I want to know, did you? I had no idea. Uh, yeah. Anyway, shout out to him. He's a good author. All right, this next thing. Help okay. me. So let me give you All the right. background for it, right? <laughs> so... Volume one. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) So this was on Monday. Monday, I was um, at work, um, you know, diligently working. Right on. um, As I always am. As one. um, And then, you know, after hours and hours of toiling away, I was like, oh, girl, take a break. Just take, you know, two or three minutes to clear your mind. And so I went on Twitter, as I do. Mm -hmm. I'm scrolling. Mm -hmm. And I see a retweet of a book and I'm like huh does that say what I yeah that does say what I think it says all right cool so let's just go ahead and click this out and figure out what's going on so this book is called the n-word from race to redemption um by this woman Tiana Levine Tiana's written a lot of books about interracial romance apparently she's hot in them streets people know her they love her they love you know all that so this book is the first book of a two book series says, and I'll give you the summary from Amazon. (sighs) They say there are two sides to a story and two sides to every man. Aaron Pike is one of those men. Aaron is a white nationalist, a commander in the organization and a Nazi who grew up in Frisco city in Gordon, Alabama. He considers himself an activist and purist for the white race in America and offers no pretense or excuses for his controversial views, affiliations, machinations, and sometimes violent behavior. Despite the common theory or belief that the majority of white supremacists are void of any aptitude and acumen, Aaron is not only intelligent, but sometimes also charming, witty, and funny. He has the power to disturb and fluster with merely a look. Much to no no one's surprise, including his own, he ends up in the prison system, serving a stint for beating a man nearly to death in what is perceived as a racially driven assault. While serving his term, the recidivist Aaron believes believes, as he's always done, that he will serve his time and be right back out on the front lines of the movement. The movement she speaks of is the white power movement, in case you forgot that. However, 
fate, uh, fate ushers him down a different path altogether. A new prison psychiatrist is assigned to Holman Correction Facility, and Mr. Pike is forced to delve deep and discuss in detail situations regarding not only his tumultuous past, but his not-so-clear future. And the future holds a strong desire to meet a woman he is not only compatible with, but one he is determined to make his wife. Mia Armstrong is an elementary school teacher from a conservative Christian background. She also volunteers at the prison and is asked to help spread the word about a prison pen pal program. In that process, she runs into Aaron, and before long, the two hit it off. Only there's one problem. Mia Armstrong is African-American. The two forge an alliance, and that friendship flourishes into pure, unadulterated love. How will Aaron deal with the truth of his feelings? Can he force himself to hate a woman he adores and loves based on her race alone? Will Mia be able to stay by his side after discovering the darker edge of the man she's fallen helplessly in love with? Will she be able to offer forgiveness and redemption, or will she turn her back on a lost soul who is not used to giving love or receiving it? Step inside of this explosive novel, The N-Word, and find out how this story of unlikely love unfolds. I so like the cover, to okay. okay, so the so, cover of this book, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. It features a man, and I'll put a link. Uh, no, I won't. No, just you got to mm-hmm. search for it on your own. It, it features, looks like Wentworth Miller. He does kinda. So it features a white man behind like some shadows and shit that look like prison bars, and he has a swastika tattoo on his neck. That's the cover. This is a romance book. Yeah, interracial romance book. Let me draw your attention to the author biography. Mm-hmm. It says, Tiana Levine was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. She moved away and now lives inside her mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I need to know. <laughs> Girl, that's fine. So, this book is getting rave reviews on Amazon. Like, it has a four-star overall rating. Oh, the same Amazon who has given five stars to Ain't No Fun if the thought got the sun, that Amazon? So, wait, right? So, I'm like, okay, these these are the people who, who read like that, though. So, I'm like, people who read like me ain't gonna really go up for this, right? Oh, but what? Well, so here's the thing. So um, I am in a group on Facebook with a lot of avid readers. And I posted this book and I posted my whole diatribe about how I think it's just ridiculous. And how could somebody even think about penning a book where a damn neo-Nazi falls in love with a black woman and, you know, that black pussy just saves him so good. So, and I thought, you know, people were going to be like, yeah, girl, exactly. And most people were. But then there were a few who were just like, oh, you just have to look past that content and get into it. It's really good writing. Mm. Ain't the man in prison for beating up somebody half to death? Is that the purpose? Yeah. And and so he's violent. Um, The attack was thought to be racially motivated. And it is illegal for prisoners to involuntarily, well, not illegal, but I'm pretty sure it's against most prison policies for these romances to occur anyway. And I don't know if I want to 
uh, read a book about this good Christian sister busting it open for um, the neo-Nazi all over the <laughs> prison broom closet. Like, I'll Thank pass. <laughs> I'll hard pass, Tiana. I don't want to You know what? It takes all kinds. I don't really understand the romance community because, um, you know, there's also the story about the neo-Nazi um, I mean, not the neo-Nazi, but the old-ass Nazi and the girl who was in the concentration camp yes. just won the damn romance novel award. So, you know, I don't really know. Um, it seems like the, the um, romance <laughs> community is smelling their tail and stretching their legs and spreading their wings and trying new things. And I'm not in that. I don't know that life. I don't – there's nothing about – there's not enough love in the world, romance or – hot sex scenes or however it goes to make me look past the fact that this man is in prison for uh, brutally assaulting, assaulting someone because of the color of their skin. And like, then I'm like, there's I'm no, like, I don't listen. I don't care if you write as well as mother Toni Morrison, there is no amount of writing that is going to get me to get into a story like this. And then there's I don't care how, all how, these, Ah, uh, yeah, then I know, you know, them pointing out that she's a devout Christian doesn't go unnoticed because that's mm -hmm. going to be where she's going to, the, the power of the Lord is going to have her look past all of his faults and redemption and blah, 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 until her cousin Tyrone, you know, shoots him in the chest or some shit. You know, it's going to be something crazy. Mm -hmm. I can just tell. Somebody read it and tell me how close I am, but like, I'm hardly interested. I just... I'm, I don't understand, and maybe I need somebody to explain this to me like I'm like two, because there was um, a few months ago, there was a kerfluffle because there was um, a book about that a white woman had written about Thomas Jefferson and uh, Sally Hemings, and she wrote it like a love story. Right. Mm -hmm. So not like he was raping a child, but like it was consensual and everything was all good. And there was, you know, a thing about that. Like, I don't. Well, America has rewritten that love story in so that way times. as well. But like, I remember Oprah had all the Jeffersons, the blacks and the white Jeffersons on like it was a big ass family reunion. I was like, Oprah, excuse me, Oprah. Um. <laughs> so, like, with that, I can see like the revisionist history, like you just whatever. But with I don't understand the motivation of it. Maybe this just goes to the overall overarching thing that I don't really go up for the whole black woman, white man romance genre. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't understand where the idea to say, oh you know what I should write a book about because the streets really need a book about a neo-Nazi and a Christian black woman coming together and overcoming all of that to find love. Like, I don't tell me, why do you, how, why don't you like the, um, I'm not very familiar with this, um, sector of the romance community. What's up with the black woman, white men romance novels? I don't know. I have not read one. And I say this often, and I really don't care, but I don't give a fuck about people who aren't black and their love stories. <laughs> like, that's, that's just it. Like, I don't care about how they fall in love. And so, <laughs> um, that sounds your, terrible, but. Please send your emails. <laughs> <laughs> Jeanette, please. Please. <laughs> 
stand by it. Hey, that's fine because apparently no one read about no black people in love because um, the black romance writers can't move that work the way that the other the white ones do, and so uh, you just said it. So there it is. I mean, I, it, like, uh, I mean, we whatever we could talk about this whole race thing back and forth all day but i was just really offended that people were like going up and like defending this book yeah me too i'm it not offended my delicate black woman sensibilities i am and it ain't nothing worse than having your delicate black woman sensibilities offended <laughs> so i am sorry i didn't even know such a thing existed or a genre or a subgenre and then to take it this far. But like Tiana said, she used to live in Cleveland. <laughs> so she, she, you know, okay. And now All she right. lives in her mind. Is that it? She lives in her brain. And in her heart mm. is occupied by her husband and two children and her twisted imagination. Her imagination is in her heart. Her family is also there. And she is in her head. But she used to live in Cincinnati. So she does this whole thing. Hang on. Her works include Cross Climax 1, Cross Climax 2, The Slave Master's Son, The Naughty Sins of a Saint, I Want Candy, When Saint Goes Marching In, Swirled Satin Sheets 1, Swirled Satin Sheets 2, Saved and Sanctified, Forgive Me, Father, For I Have Loved. Mm, There's going to be some more... Uh, content in that bibliography that's going to piss you off, I guarantee. I want you to read The Slave Master's Son and report back to us. <laughs> you, you, but when you say me, I mean, like when you say you, you mean me? Hey, I don't fool with this. Uh, <laughs> you trying to get us kicked off iTunes? Because it will be like a uh, episode full of cussing. I don't, <laughs> I don't know these, I don't know this life, so... Yeah, Tiana girl, you tried it. <laughs> Way to go. Way to go. Got my co-host all worked up. Uh, girl, listen. She had my grits boiling the day before my birthday. How dare she? How dare she? Do we have other news? No, we don't. Way to end on a sour note. We're back. <laughs> oh, sorry for that loud thing. Couldn't help it. I don't know what's going on with us today, but this should really this should play back hilariously. We want to talk to you guys about our writing or not writing or wanting to write but not really doing it and here's why. But um, we've discussed before, um, about 12 episodes back, <laughs> um, about the fact that we um, are writers. We do write not as consistently as we'd like, but we are um, aspiring writers. And, yeah, so we want to talk to you guys a little bit about that. Um, we talked last week about um, when we did the interview with Dylan Perkins Valdez. Did I get that right? Or Valdez Perkins? Perkins Valdez. And um, about the writing process, you know, creating your own space to write and just doing the damn thing. And it kind of got me thinking and you thinking, I'm sure, about um, our own writing. Um, So tell me, how did you go from wanting 
to being an avid reader to wanting to write, or did you, or you as much of a writer as you are a reader? So when I was younger, I was always a, I was actually more of a writer than a reader. Mm -hmm. um, one of my uh, uh, great uh, no, she's not my great aunt. She's my second cousin. But every time I see her, um, she's just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that you haven't written a book because that's all you used to do whenever you'd come down to St. Louis to visit us. And she's like, I just remember one day you were um, telling Joey, who was my little cousin, she's like, you were telling him a story and I thought you were reading it from a book, but you were just telling him this story like from your imagination. So I think that the 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 desire to create has always been kind of innate, mm -hmm. but uh, somewhere along the way it 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 I won't say it left, but it um it kind of disappeared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How about uh, you? I think I got I read enough books to where eventually I was like, okay, I want to. I can do this. You know what I mean? Like, I think I can do this. And so I, um, when I was a kid, I used to write like short stories and, you know, just some little three or four page things. And, um, I'd write them <laughs> with a pencil and paper. And, um, so I've always kind of written, not nearly as much as I, as I write, but you know how it is when you get into a book, um, and you feel you know, kind of immersed in that book, and you're like, oh, I, I, I want to try it, and so you try it, you know, and you just kind of keep at it and keep doing it, um, but I didn't get really like, okay, I think I can do this and actually, you know, make this a thing until maybe uh, four years ago, um, and I had a couple of ideas floating around or whatever, and so I started doing it again, but my the reading definitely came first you know you can only read so many books before you're like hey let me try my hand at this so um that's what i did do you okay so what genre if you had to pick do you would you say you write in the idea is for it to be contemporary literature chick litish okay. um yeah that's the idea but um i mean it is, okay. I guess. I mean, all of my unfinished works <laughs> kind of fall into that uh, category. Um, so I guess it's not the idea of it is. I guess it just is. Okay. I think I do um, more contemporary fiction. More, more of my ideas are literary fiction. Like, they start off in that way. Mm -hmm. But I have a really hard time navigating like how to write relationships without it turning into romance, you know, like contemporary fiction or contemporary love story. Mm -hmm. um, it's very difficult to write that. I don't know why that is because I've read, it might just be me, but I've read books that were considered literary and they were about like a marriage or a relationship or whatever, and they didn't come off like that. But it feels like to me, I don't know what it is, but it just feels, it gets very genres. It feels like a, black romance or black contemporary fiction when I write them and I think it might just be because I have black characters um, but they're not doing anything any differently and the style is not any differently than any of the other books if that makes sense I don't know yeah I get it okay get it. <laughs> you're saying like your characters are black but that doesn't mean that that doesn't define them right right but it like can the... re but it can come off reading very um, Eric Jerome Dickey when it's not the intention when it's nothing 
uh, wrong with Eric Jerome Dickey, but it can come off like it's part of that group when I don't mean it to be. I don't know how to explain it. It just feels like um, like nobody thinks of he's come undone as chiclet. You know what I mean? Right. And so I also struggle with that. It might just be the way that I write. You know, I don't know what it is, but it comes across a lot lighter and a lot, um, for lack of a better word, fluffier than I intend. Um, and I don't know. That's one of the things that I that's a challenge to me because I am very interested in writing about relationships, but I'm not. Uh, I don't even. I'm not a romance writer by any means. I don't really know that. Yeah. So anyway, that's one of my bigger bigger challenges so then okay so here's a question for you then so what what aspects of your writing do you think lend themselves to making it more contemporary fictiony than you'd like it to be it might be um i think it's just my writing style and if i have to be honest it's because i can get lazy i can get lazy like i know what i want to do and i know how i want to explore something but it's the way that I go about exploring it. Um, for instance, this book that I have been working on forever and a day um, is supposed to be um, about a woman who is the mistress of a really famous athlete. So when you when you think of these people, think like uh, what's the Tom Brady and it's a story that's kind of on, um, I don't want to say loosely based on, but inspired by the Tiger Woods story. <laughs> Not the inspirational part about him being combination and playing golf, <laughs> but the part about him cheating on his wife with all women. Um, and this story is from the perspective of, you know, everybody knows Tiger Woods had a whole bunch of women. It, was, it seemed like he was particularly in love with. And that was, what was her name, Rachel Yucatel or Yucatel or whatever. So this book is kind of that story. But instead of a golf player, you have like a Tom Brady type character. And then um, this woman who was just like this really driven, kind of emotionally jacked up uh, black lady. Um, and... It's about their story or her story and her kind of it explores kind of what happens when, okay, you get what you want, right? Because so many of these like celebrity couples or relationships or whatever, they have these scandals and they might stick it out. This case, uh, this woman is very much like, uh, what's her name? Elon, Elon, whatever. Mm -hmm. And she just leaves, like, okay, let me get my half, and I'm going to go, <laughs> and you can do what you need to do. And it's kind of supposed to explore what happens after that. What do you do with the relationship that's embedded in this kind of, um, that has been embedded in all of this, like, lies and deceit and, you know, this kind of wanting what you can't have. What happens when you finally get it? you know, okay, so now you're up. You're here to deal with his stuff. And um, is he so great in the light? You know what I mean? So um, it's supposed to explore that in a way that just rethinks the way that we think about relationships and the way that we think about um, longing after somebody. But I have had a time with it because it just comes off. There's a sub story or another story, and it's just I use that story to kind of lighten it up because I don't want to be I don't want it to be like a Tyler Perry play, <laughs> and so it's just very 
it's very difficult to do. It is. And so that's where I have challenges. And I think it, there's nothing to the story or the plot or anything. It's just my writing, and I've got to keep working on it. So so let me ask you this then, too. So, cause How does the story end? <laughs> Sorry. Nah, I, I'm going to know that before the book comes out, because i got to end like that. Okay. But um, So I'm wondering then, um, do you because uh, we had a writing group, we talked about this previously um, before briefly. Um, do you find writing to be um, better for you as an individual process as you're piecing the story together? Say that again. So like some because some people like use the writing group um, or like get in writing groups because they need that feedback as they're writing. Mm-hmm. And um. I was just going to ask, do you like need that feedback as you're writing or do you think you could just write straight through and then do send I it off to let people read? Um, I could go either way. I could go either way. I think um, it helps me to get some feedback as I go because I can go down a rabbit hole. Hell, I can go down a rabbit hole even in conversation sometimes, as you guys know. So it kind of gets to where it's like, I need somebody to say, why is this here? You know, but that's the way my brain works. And I also need somebody to say, okay, I really, really like this. Take this out. So even though I know I'm probably going to have to do another draft, I can shift. I don't mind leaving like somebody on the corner of 125th and (laughs) Jackson Street and we never revisit that character. I'll cut them out later. But I don't want to keep spending time on them if that character is weak. Like you've read um, some of this story that I'm talking about and the other plot line is um, her friend um, who is living a very different lifestyle and coming to her own realizations. And I have made that woman go from one really extreme situation to one a little bit more... (laughs) um, realistic for most people and or for some people and I mean there's been times where I'm like just take her out like I want her to be gone you know and everybody's like yeah I can see why you would do that but then I'm like if I don't you know how do I balance out like what could be melodrama so I don't know I can go with either way I ask because I've been going back and forth with the idea of whether or not I need a writing group or whether or not I just need to get my ass in a chair and just write Mm, mm. and write a sizable amount that I could then send to people and be like, Hey, so this is where I'm at. And then this is where I'm trying to go. Should I just stop right now? Or should I keep on trying to get there? Right. I don't know. Like I said, it just gets, gets, it's, it's also the thing too. writing can be very lonely, right? So you spend time and writing a book and you're not getting any feedback. You're not really coming up for air. Some people are fine with that. They're like, you know, um, I need that kind of focus. And some people are like, I need some people to cheer me on and say, okay, way to go. Yeah. You did 10 pages or whatever. Um, so I guess it depends on your style. Like I said, I could go either way. It doesn't really bother me one way or the other. Um, I think it's helpful, and sometimes I'm just like, eh, I'll just. The the only part I don't like about reading groups is that, or writing groups is that sometimes it feels like a lot of momentum. But then if everybody else in the group is not really writing like that at that time, it slows me down. Like, okay, I'm not gonna submit anything else because I don't have to because nobody else has submitted anything, and you know their uh, work ethic can bleed off into mine. So tell us about, uh uh-huh. Yes. So tell us about, do you want to talk about what you're working on? 
Sure. I'm working on like three different things <laughs> because I can't just focus on one. So um, the first thing I'm working on is actually kind of like a contemporary romance type thing between two characters who work together and have become friends. And the girl has kind of always had a thing for the guy, but the guy was like kind of standoffish and he's a little bit of a man whore. So, you know, typical romance trope. Um, so that's one I'm working on. Um, the second thing that I'm working on is actually uh, nonfiction, and that's about the process of um, how my family has basically dealt with um, the unexpected death of my aunt um, in 2013 and how um, I'm a quasi part-time mom and like how my life has had to adjust to deal with that. Um, and all of those things, um, but that gets mad emotional, so I had to put that down. And then the third thing that I'm working on is kind of like women's fiction, and it's about this chick who is returning home after, I think it's five years of not having been home. Um, she's fresh off of a nasty breakup, um, and her sister basically asked her to come home and like she's unfulfilled in her professional life um, Basically her life is in shambles and she just finally decides she needs a break So she's on a road trip home and then when she gets home, there's all this shit with her family going on um, The parents are like really super zealots and so she has to there's a thing between her and the dad um and uh, i'm saying i don't want to spoil it like it's ever gonna get finished and y'all gonna read it but so she has a brother and a sister and the brother is deceased and the death of the brother caused pretty much an, irre an irreparable rift between her and her father and so this trip home kind of um is the catalyst to help get all that shit out and kind of mend that rift so yeah that's the third thing <laughs> And they are all in various stages of completion. Um, I think the third one is actually the most complete or the closest to being at least novella length. I'm um one of the things that's always really challenging to me, because um, I was just thinking when you said you had these like a couple of different things happening, is that I get like and this is probably a bad sign, but I just get so bogged down in the story that I'm in and trying to work it out and figure it out that I'll be like, oh, I've got this other idea for this other thing over here. Let me start that. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing you know, it's like, okay, now I've got two things that are unfinished. And I don't know. That That's another one of the challenges. I don't know where to put that. But So the internet communities for writing, you know, there's a lot of writing community on Twitter. There's a lot of writing community on various websites. Have you tapped into any of that? Or what has your experience been with trying to connect with other writers uh, via social media or whatever? So I used to be a part of um, a community on SheWrites.com. Mm -hmm. um, it was like a local group for people in Chicago who write. But I didn't, I didn't give it my all. Mainly because I, I didn't want to have to deal with, <laughs> and this is, again, me being kind of a bigot, but I didn't want to have to deal with sending my story to people who I would have to explain a vast majority of it. Because, like, I I write a lot of, like, a sort of, like, tongue-in-cheek or, like, ha-ha type things in there that you would only get if you're from a certain community. 
Mm-hmm. So, but even <laughs> even when we had like our writing group or whatever, there was one time I said something and somebody in the group was like, I don't know what that means. And I was like, everybody knows what that means, but okay, I get it. But two, I think that's another thing that I have to that I have to work on, like writing it in a way that even if it's not something that someone has heard of before, that the context is there for them to understand, understand it. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as like seeking out any like other like online writing communities, not really. I have reached out like to people directly, um, but not any real communal efforts. Yeah. It's been difficult for me to find my tribe because I've noticed that so I didn't realize this, but so many people, if they're not like straight out of MFA programs, they are very like they're genre writers. So mm-hmm. I have been able to connect with other writers, but it's like they write, you know, speculative fiction or science fiction or horror or, you know, all kinds of whatever, all the millions of subgenres within, you know, sci-fi and horror and you know those categories and so it's really difficult to work when they are talking about you know like world I mean I know there's a certain amount of world building in every book but they're talking about world building as in creating a whole new world and reality Mm -hmm. and words and and then you're talking about like creating a neighborhood and so sometimes it can be very like oh never mind you're not gonna like my story regardless of road I wrote because you read in a genre that is very action-packed and very, you know, different. Um, So it's been hard for me to connect in that way. And then, like I said, with our writing group, we all wrote a little bit differently in some totally different styles, and that's difficult to manage because, like I think you mentioned before, you start to write to the group and instead of writing the story in the way that you intended it to go. So that's been that's another challenge. But I mean, I approach it like once I feel like once I finish what I'm working on, I will be like a huge weight will have been lifted off my shoulders. It it will be fine. But until then, I'm just like, eh, I'm just a loser. Let me stop telling people I write <laughs> because I can't finish the same thing. And it's tough, you know. And hell, we were in writing group with Christina Jones who writes like a beast, you know, and she writes well and she writes often and so you feel like okay okay I mean it was literally like playing JV basketball with Kobe (laughs) it was like why are we why are we doing this you know so that I do understand um I think that my biggest the biggest hurdle for me and what holds me back is that, like, I'm ready and I'm like, okay, this is cool, whatever. Oh, that's funny. Oh, okay, that's cute. But I'm like, is anybody else going to read this and think, oh, that's cute. That's funny. Oh, this is good. Like, I, 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 um, I use this Time Hop app. And today, um, a post came up that I wrote three years ago about um, some writers who are on the internet who whose writing I just absolutely adore. Um, not fictional, like all of them were bloggers. But the like the relatability and the way that they're writing, like just like a dagger to my heart. I'm like, I don't know that what I'm writing will be that for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's like the biggest, like my biggest, like and too, like because today I was all about looking at old shit, and so I looked at my a, a long neglected blog, and the last blog that I wrote actually was about this whole writing thing. And about how basically, like, all of my self-doubt is my biggest obstacle. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. not the 
it's not the ability to put together words because I'm and this is completely arrogant but I don't care but I'm a fucking good writer like I have a pretty good grasp on grammar you know vocabulary things of that nature I can put some phrases together that may incite giggles you know so I think that I have all of the mechanics to do it but the issue is like I'm not confident that it will be received in a way that I want it to be received if that makes sense yeah I understand. And see, that's one of those you're in your head things. You can't really control the outcome. You can only create what you're creating. Because I feel like I'll be writing away and plugging away, and I'm like, and I'll read it back, and I'm like, uh, I don't think it's very good. Like, I don't think I get a better response than what I expect every single time. So then I put it away, and I come back to it weeks later, and I'm like, this isn't that bad. So I'm really highly critical of myself. Uh, during the process, so I'm not so much concerned about like what other people are going to think. As in, I, I turn it in like, oh, this is shit here, you know. <laughs> and then I get a really usually get a fair, uh, good response back, and then it's like, okay, let me read it again. Okay, um, but none of that deters me more than time, and I don't think I am disciplined about time. I think that. That is my number one thing. I, If you guys remember back to show two, Christina Jones was on, and she talked about her writing schedule. And I just keep saying her because she just writes incredibly prolific. I mean, she writes. It's insane. So but when she talked about her schedule, I understood why she is able to get that kind of output because she writes every time she is not – her two hands are not occupied, it seems like. And so – I don't have that level of discipline. I don't even have like five steps down from that level of discipline. Um, and I need to get there. Because, you know, people are like, well, if you're a writer, you write. If you have that passion, you just can't help not writing. That's not true for me anyway. You know, I'm pretty passionate about it and I really do enjoy it. But, you know, I got bills and people that I have to take care of and I have to take care of myself. And sometimes that gets in a way that maybe it shouldn't, but that's just my reality. So that's the other reason. Now we're getting down (laughs) now it's getting real sad on better than the movie but i don't know i would say that we'll finish we need to make like a goal and maybe have like our readers hold us accountable our listeners so i had a goal for a draft to be finished Mm -hmm. and uh that goal came and went two days ago oh yeah so also you have to set another one yeah so i have to set another one and I don't know, I don't know, I don't know when now. Like, I don't know when I want to set the new goal for. Well, we'll talk about it. If you guys have any, like, you know, tools, motivational techniques, if you write and you're like, this is how I do it, this is how we get it done every day, I commit, you know, I've heard of people saying, I commit 20 minutes a day, that's it, you know, until. I get into the habit of that 20 minutes and sometimes I end up working for an hour even though I've only allotted myself 20 minutes. And I've thought about doing that. As a matter of fact, I think I am going to do that. Give myself, if it's 15 minutes on the job or whatever, and you just go and look at it and you know write a couple of paragraphs, you might find yourself spending more time on it than you originally thought you would. And before you know it, it becomes a part of your you know, day. So... Anyway, did you have any more to say about your writing life? Um, I was going to ask you another question. This is more like mechanics driven. Okay. Okay. So when you write, do you plot then write or do you 
plot as you write. Mm, I know what I'm going to do, but I'm not like, oh, let me write, you know, a 50-page outline or let me use an Excel spreadsheet. I haven't really got, I just don't understand that. I mean, I, I understand it, but I can't get into it. Um, I know what I'm going for, though, so I do a little bit. But it isn't like point one, I mean, A, one, two, three, three A, three B, three C. It's not like that. Um, I don't get down like that. It's more like one, two, three, four. So, yeah, it's rough, but I know what's going to happen. That's yeah, it. Because I've been like, I've been going back and forth. I was like, well, maybe that's my problem. Maybe I need to write out like every single thing that I want to happen and then write it. It's too much for me, though, because I always feel like, well, what if I get there and it doesn't feel right? Then that messes up my whole spreadsheet. And I don't... And that's a level of laziness, really, because I can go in and fix the spreadsheet and make it work, but it's just, you know, I gotta... I prefer not to be that um, mapped out. I might try it, though. I might try, like, that level of mapping on, like, a short story to see how it works for me, but it feels, even to talk about it, it just feels really... Restrictive. Restrictive, yeah. So, I don't know. Like, if I was under a deadline or something, I would, but since I'm not, um, I prefer to do it. I kind of always have, though, even as a kid. I just, let me make it up. I know what I want to do. Let me get there. So, no. Yeah, I'm just wondering if it will help for me, because I, like, I write myself into corners so often. Yeah. Like, the other day, I just opened up a doc, and I was, like, looking at this, and I was like how the hell can we get out of this? Like, and that's another thing, like, I'm horrible at transitions. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm done with this scene. I don't know if it's done with me, but I'm, I'm over it. I've reached a point, yeah. <laughs> we, we got to the point, now let's leave this room, yeah. That's always difficult. I always kind of think of it like a movie, though. Like, let me read this out loud. If it was a movie, what would happen here? It helps me a lot to picture it like that. Maybe I need to be writing screenwriting. <laughs> but I'm just like, I, I don't write myself in the corner because if I was watching a movie and I wanted this to be over, what would I need to happen? <laughs> so, yeah. And a lot of times I've found that if I'm in the corner and I can't get out, the scene is probably crappy Some, you know, from the mm -hmm. get-go. So, anyway, I don't know. I don't have anything else to contribute because now I'm getting sad. Don't be sad because you're going to make your deadline and then you're going to be writing and shit and it's going to be great. Yeah, 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 right on. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to bring some positivity back. We went into a dark place for a minute. I know, didn't we? Like, guys, we're not drunk. It seems like we were all yay at first and then it's like, we're, we're sad now. It's like third cup of whiskey now. We sorry. <laughs> But yeah, you guys, now on this, please email us and let us know some things about your writing. If you write, um, if you don't write but want to write, if you, whatever, if you have tips for us, we want to hear about them. So shout us a holla. Yo, and like for real, like if you are a writer, seriously email us because I would like to talk to some writers yeah. um, about their processes because I, I find it interesting because no two writers write alike. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm not even talking about content-wise. I'm just talking about how they structure their writing and all of that. So um, I think it would be really interesting. And this isn't just a call to fiction writers. Like, I'm talking about writers of all genres. Mm. Um, I'd like to talk to y'all. Yes, please. Please hit us up. We like guests. We do. 
in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> um, but I think that's it. I don't have anything else to contribute to the conversation. This has been a fun episode for me, personally. You know what it's time for now? Yep. What are we reading? What are you reading? I'm reading... Uh, Jennifer, nothing. I'm reading Jennifer Weiner's book. I'm trying to get through it anyway. And it's not even that the book is poorly written or it's a bad book. It's just I already know where this is going. So now I'm like, let's just get this over with, Jennifer. Uh, so we will talk about it, though. I'll say, I need you to finish that book so we can talk about it. I will. When you get out of the woods, I'll be back. I'll be done. <laughs> I, as usual, am not reading a thing. Okay. But I'm going to a plane tomorrow so i will be reading stuff and i think i'm going to read uh damn it i just lost oh the star side of bird hill by naomi jackson oh i have that now it's in my kindle i'm gonna finally get into that on my plane ride out to utah (laughs) it is in my kindle and i'm like let's do it so let me get through this jennifer weiner books so i can get to what i really feel like reading right now no shade. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. We hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will see you next week a little bit less goofy. No. <laughs> Have a good week. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>